Thank you, Pastor Tiffany. And yeah, we're excited for what God is doing with our kids' ministry. And it's just great to worship the Lord. And uh, as we worship Him, lift Him up, you know what? We get lifted up in the process, don't we? When we lift Him up, we get lifted up. We also thank you for worshiping the Lord with, with your giving. And there's ways to do that online and in the back. And as we just continue to uh, honor the Lord. You know, here it is. It's Canada Day weekend. How many had some fun this weekend, went to the lake or went to the park? Anybody? One hand up. Okay, there's a few more. It's okay. It's, it's all right to raise your hand. Don't be shy. And uh, yeah, there's just all kinds of activities going around here. And we are grateful for the freedom, first of all, that Jesus gives us in him. Free from sin, free from uh, condemnation. The Bible says in John, who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so we're grateful for the freedom, the ultimate freedom. And then we are also grateful for the freedom that we have in this country to worship him openly, uh, all the blessings we have in Canada and in North America. And of course, there are those serving in our armed forces as well that are helping to defend our country. I hope you pray for them. And I hope you're grateful and thankful for the freedoms that have been given to us. Amen. So it's okay to celebrate. It's good to celebrate. And uh, I'm a dual citizen, so I get to celebrate Canada Day. In fact, my older son Coulter was born on July 1st, Canada Day. And then we also celebrate uh, July 4th because we are Americans as well, Canadian-American. Don't hold us against us. Uh, we love you. And I was born in this country, and my dad was Canadian, but my mom's American. So we have both countries that we represent, and we love them both, and we pray for them both. Because we need revival in North America, don't we? We need revival. So I hope that you're praying together with me. If you're a guest here uh, for the first time, we're glad that you're here. There's a little connection card in the chair in front of you. Take a moment, fill that out. But we are continuing our series on power to change. And we're taking a look at lives in the New Testament that have been dramatically transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and uh, I trust that you have been changed and the Bible tells us when we come to Christ that the old is gone. Behold, all things are new. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians tells us that. And so he changes us from the inside out. And as our heart changes, then our lifestyle begins to change, right? That's how it works. Uh, government can't save you and social programs can't save you. They can help. They can assist. But ultimately, only God can change the heart. Because when the heart changes, then we live our lives differently, don't we? And we want to honor the Lord, and we want to love Him and love others and do the right thing. But it begins with the heart. So this transformation that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to take a look at Cornelius. Cornelius was a centurion. Likely he was a commander who had a regiment under his command. He was a man that was also respected by the Jews because he respected them. Now, he believed in God, and he would even give alms to the poor, but he didn't know all the ins and outs of salvation and certainly didn't understand what the Holy Spirit could do in his life. But we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 10, and we're going to begin with verse 10. And this is what it says. Then he, Peter, became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were making things ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners. So this thing is being lifted down, and we're going to show you a photo in just a moment of what that might have looked like. It was a great sheet bound at four corners, descending to him and down to the earth. 
In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And we're going to explain that in a moment. A voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common or unclean. This was done three times, and the object was taken back up into heaven. Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon at his house. They stood at the gate. They called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter, we're jumping ahead here to verse 34, he opened his mouth when he had arrived there among this family. And he said this, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. And those of the circumcision or the Jews who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles as well. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Lord, we pray now that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds, help us to understand your word, dear Jesus, and then to put these principles into practice that we could live more like you and live pleasing to you. Bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to take a look at this story here, and probably a lot of you have heard about Cornelius, this Roman centurion. And uh, it's interesting the relationship he had with the local Jews in the area because he didn't oppress them. In fact, he respected their Judaism. He respected their customs. He had a friendly relationships with the local Jews in the area, and so they really appreciated him because the Romans were in power, right? It's like, basically, you lived in Israel, but you weren't an autonomous country. Somebody else was in charge of you, and you had to pay tribute, in other words, taxes, and they could send Italian regiments in, and if they want to put you into prison, if they want to oppress you, if they want to do certain things, they could because ultimately Caesar was the man in charge. But the first thing I want to say is this. Number one, we need to allow God to reveal his truth. Allow him to reveal his truth. Say, well, that's kind of an interesting thing to say. But see, Peter was trying to be a faithful Jew. He was abstaining from what was considered unclean in Leviticus chapter 11. And so God in the Old Testament had told the Israelite people, the Jewish people, not to eat certain animals. And let's face it, there are animals that are less clean than others. I mean, I love bacon, but I don't want to see those pigs slopping in the mud and see what they do all day long. You with me? You know, some things are better left to the imagination or just don't think about it at all. Just cut it up, process it real good, cook it real good, and then I'll put it on my hamburger. But there's some animals are cleaner than others. And it's interesting, if you want to talk about context, why did God say certain things were unclean? And to be more specific, basically... Uh, clean animals had cloven hooves and chewed the cud, okay? A cloven hoof animal. So they could eat cow, but they were not to eat pigs and those types of things. And then also, the aquatic animals had to have fish, uh, had to have gills and fins. Gills and fins. So the little creepy crawly things like 
uh, shrimp and the critters that crawl on the bottom, those were considered unclean. And things with gills and fins, regular fish, like trout and salmon and bass and those types of things, they were considered clean. And you say, well, why did God have those? Well, a couple of reasons, and I do not pretend to know all of God's plan, but here's two reasons for you. First of all, God wanted them to be set apart as his own special people. So it says, I've got you know, certain things I want you to do. Of course, for the males, it was to be circumcised on the eighth day. But also, as a people as a whole, I want you to eat these foods and not these foods. And that will help distinguish you from the pagans that live in the area because I want you to live for me. And the second reason is this. God was actually looking out for the Hebrew people in the Old Testament because they didn't have modern refrigeration. They didn't have all the ways to properly clean animals and process them like we do today. They were actually wandering in the desert for 40 years. And once they got to, to Israel, to the land of Canaan, even then, they didn't have some of the things that we have today to help properly clean and disinfect and make ready foods. And so he kept them to cleaner foods, stuff that wouldn't be full of bacteria, something that would be better for their bodies, better for their systems. And to be honest with you, there's something we could probably learn from that pattern of living today, right? Those cleaner foods. Maybe a little less pork and a little more you know, lamb and, and beef. So that's just a side note. But there was a reason why God did it. But Peter was raised as a Jew, and so he knew that God told us in the Old Testament through Moses, we're not to eat these things. So, yeah, I see a sheet coming down, but he was resisting. He said, no, Lord, I'm not going to take the bait. I'm not going to be tempted to do something bad. I want to be good. I want to honor you, so I'm not going to eat these things, even though a voice told him to eat them. He was trying to be a good Jew. But here's the thing, though. Peter was likely unaware that all along God had a plan to save not only the Jewish people but the Gentile people. By the way, anybody other than a Jewish person, you're a Gentile, just like me. Doesn't matter, you know, uh, what race you are. Of course, in these days, it was the Greeks and the Romans. They were considered Gentiles, Greeks and Romans. But it doesn't matter if, if you're from China, if you're from Africa, if you're from Norway, if you're from Germany. Anybody other than Jew, we're all Gentiles. And so praise the Lord that God loves us all equally and has chosen to save us all by his grace. Amen? Otherwise, most of us here would be in trouble. I've got a teeny bit of Jewish blood in me. And when my father went to Israel years ago when he was alive, uh, he would say, well, I'm 10% Jewish. Now, he would stretch that. My dad spoke what you call evangelistically because he was an evangelist as well as a pastor and uh, truth be told, he maybe had 5% somewhere in his mother's lineage, but he liked to say 10%. And when he went to Israel and went to the Wailing Wall, he actually got a special Jewish blessing from a rabbi because he told him, well, I have Jewish ancestry on my mother's side, which was technically true. It was just a little exaggerated. And they gave him a full blessing that actually was supposed to go on to children, I believe, as well. And so he loved that. He loved talking about that little bit of Jewish blood. But he's a Gentile, just like most of us are in this room. God loves us all. In fact, that's what Peter said. He said, there's no partiality in God. He said, he's pouring out his spirit upon you, just like he did us. And they went on to baptize this whole crew. So we need to allow him to reveal his truth. You see, the truth is, in Isaiah 56, way back in the Old Testament, this is what it said, also the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord 
to minister to him, the foreigners, the non-Jewish people. They come to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, even those I will bring to my holy mountain. There's lots of scriptures in the Old Testament to attest the fact that all along God planned to save everyone, anyone and everyone that would call upon his name. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will what? Be saved. We're the whosoever. Amen? And so Jew, Gentile, Greek, slave, free, doesn't matter. Everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. And that was God's plan from the very beginning. But Peter was unaware of it. Peter had a narrow perspective uh, from a Jewish perspective of what was right and wrong, but he was probably unfamiliar with some of these scriptures that God had actually planned all along to save them. So it was okay. In fact, if you get into the New Testament talking about meats, we are not under the restriction of what they were in the Old Testament. That was under the old Mosaic law, the old covenant, for a specific group of people, the Jewish people, for a specific group of time period of time, which was during the old Mosaic covenant prior to Christ's coming. Once Jesus came, we're under the new covenant of grace. In fact, Timothy says, all meat is undefiled when given with thanks. So I just want you to know that you can eat your bacon in freedom and enjoy it, okay? Praise the Lord. I'm so happy about that. But Peter had a limited understanding. So God had to reveal his truth to Peter, and finally he got it. See, we grow in the knowledge of God's truth as we study his word, the Bible, and we apply it to our lives. We learn to put feet to our faith. We practice what we preach. We're going to grow, but you got to be hands-on. you got to put feet to it. you got to practice what you preach. We also will grow as we learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and then say yes. We learn to distinguish his voice and then to obey that voice, to follow his lead. Number two, allow God to reveal his plan. So he has to reveal his truth, and that's by studying the word, that's by living our faith, that's by listening to his Holy Spirit, but then he will reveal his plan, and that happens a step at a time. Peter was wondering what the vision meant. As we read this text, he didn't get it. You know, he sees this weird basket, and I think you saw the photo, this weird sheet coming down full of critters, things like snakes and, and uh, pigs and different kinds of animals they weren't allowed to eat reptiles and stuff like that and so it kind of freaked him out and he really couldn't wrap his mind around the intent of this see God was starting to soften his heart and get him thinking get the wheels turning but then as he proceeds to the next level God begins to reveal his plan why he's talking about clean and unclean you see he wondered what the vision meant when suddenly the men sent by Cornelius the centurion arrived at his home and he was this God-fearing centurion who respected the Jews. He gave alms to the poor. His heart was in the right place, but he didn't have all the information yet. Peter was God's agent to go and preach the gospel to them so they would fully understand who Jesus is and what the Holy Spirit could do in their life. You know what? God is looking to you and he's looking to me to be his agent of change. Amen? We can't just leave it up to somebody else. He's asking us to go, to stand up, to speak up, to explain to somebody who maybe doesn't understand what God is all about, that he really does love us. How many are happy that God loves you? Say amen. And you know what? He loves everybody equally, and everybody has that opportunity to come, the whosoever will, if they decide to say yes to Jesus. So soon Peter went with these men, and they arrived at Cornelius' home. 
So here's another thing you need to know about Jewish culture and custom. It was unlawful to enter the house of a Gentile because it was considered unclean. So not only the food, but also the residents, the area, they had a lot of restrictions. Some of them were given by God, again, for a specific period of time. But Peter didn't understand because Jesus now had died and risen again. It's a new covenant. They're under the new covenant of grace. And the Lord has to explain this to all these dyed-in-the-wool Jewish people that were brought up a certain way, but they didn't understand that Jesus makes them free. And so he took down the barriers of separation. And so now Peter enters in the home, and just entering that house was also considered unclean. But he was obedient now to the Lord. I think he's by this time understanding, okay, I think I understand what God is trying to tell me, that people need Jesus, and he loves us all, and he wants me to go to everybody and preach the good news. So he enters the house. He begins to preach them, and this is what he says. Uh, he, he said, I now see that God is no respecter of person. There's no partiality. And in fact, this is what uh, the Lord declared to Peter. He said, hey, what God has cleansed, you must not call unclean. So how does God cleanse us? By his grace and forgiveness. Amen? Through his shed blood. He paid the price for our sins once and for all on Calvary's cross. He died in our place. The wages of sin is death, Romans tells us. Romans 6.23. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We all deserve to die, but he took our place and paid the price once and for all so that his blood shed will pay the price and atone for all the sins we'll ever do. And we receive his grace and forgiveness. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God revealed his plan. He reveals his plan. Now, what about you and I? You say, well, Pastor Scott, that's great. You know, plan of salvation to love us, to care for us, that he wants to save us. But does he have a specific plan? You know that he does. You know that he does. He wants to use each and every one of us with your specific gifts, talents, abilities, sacrificing uh, as we give our life a living sacrifice to God. He will bless us and use us. Uh, this weekend we're out, and uh, my brother Winston was out there helping us with the yard. And uh, remember we made a call last week, hey, anybody want to help us with landscaping? Well, he said yes. And uh, sure enough, we were out there mowing, and our mower ran out of battery, so we got another mower, and finally we got her done, brother. So praise the Lord, it is all good. But you know what? Everybody has something we can do for the kingdom, amen? Maybe you're an usher, maybe you're a greeter, maybe you sing on the worship team, maybe you help with our maintenance and, and our painting of facilities, so important. But you know what? It's not just in the building. We are his hands and feet and voice wherever we go, amen? Allow him to use you. Your circle of influence, your people that you know, he wants to flow through you to be his vessel of honor and worship to minister with truth and love to those around you. So he reveals his plan, and he revealed his plan to Peter. He finally understood, ah, with God there's no partiality. Who am I to stand in the way? He loves these people just as much as he loved us, and it's evident because he poured out a spirit, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit fell even while he was talking. He didn't even get to go through his, his sermon, you know, his little speech that he had prepared. He didn't get all the way through. God just preempted it said, no, I'm hitting it now, and these people are going to be poured, uh, going to receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.10 tells us this, though. It's about specific plans using our specific gifts that God has given you. This is what it says. It says that I have plans for you that I've prepared for 
ahead of time. Each person has a divine destiny. I want you to hear that. Every person here in this room has a divine destiny, a, a God-made plan for your life. Some of you have already, you can look back, you've lived enough years, I can see how he's used me. And there's times that I missed it, and there's other times that, that I walked in it. But you will understand his plan as you live for him, serve him daily, and then a day at a time, a step at a time, he reveals it. We were talking about this the other day, weren't we, Paul, in our men's prayer. It's like he doesn't give you all the instructions at once. Just like I mentioned the other day, he told Abraham, go to a land where I'm going to show you. So Abraham went with his whole tribe and went to the land of Canaan, but he didn't give him all the details. It's like one step at a time, one season at a time. But as we live for Jesus every day, then day by day he reveals his plan and he will bless you and use you in extraordinary ways. Amen? Think about Peter. He's just a fisherman. He had no pedigree. This was not Paul we're talking about. This was Peter now, right? The unlearned, I don't know if he even graduated from high school, right? I mean, he probably just got the basic learning, and then as soon as he could be out there on the boat fishing, you go fish. And yet Jesus used ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And day by day, as they live for him, God would reveal his plan. So allow him to reveal his plan, and he will do that as you live for him and serve him and ask him daily, Jesus, guide and direct my life. Lord, direct my life. Use me today. Show me today what you want. And God, I will say yes to you. Finally, number three, allow God to lead and use you by his spirit. Lead and use you by his spirit. Peter obeyed the voice of the Holy Spirit who told him to accompany this group of men. He also obeyed the commission given by Jesus in Matthew 28, which was what? Go and make disciples. So he said, okay, Jesus gave us this great commission, so I guess here's an opportunity to do that. I will do that. And he felt that prompting in his heart to go with this group of men. He obeyed, and then God used them. And don't worry about, you know, things that you're maybe not comfortable with. It's funny, this whole unclean thing about uh, how the Lord had to basically redirect Peter and show him his truth. Uh, years ago, I was invited to go with a group of pastors to Haiti. And we were there to basically uh, witness firsthand what Convoy of Hope was doing. Convoy of Hope is a humanitarian relief. And uh, what they do is they provide water, they provide uh, medical, they pr I believe medical, they provide all kinds of food, and they have a huge warehouse. And so I was asked to go with a group of pastors to Haiti. And um, the Haitian people are wonderful people. Boy, what a blessing trip. And we got to go to an orphanage. And we went to their huge warehouse. And so we could come back to our churches and help raise money, more money for Convoy of Hope. By the way, they go to disasters in the United States. They go all over the world. They are huge. You can Google them and pull up Convoy of Hope. And it's, a, it's an assemblies program through the Pentecostal Church, and we're all over the world doing extraordinary things. So that's part of your missions giving. Convoy of Hope is just a powerful ministry. But one thing they said is, do not drink the water when you go to Haiti. And uh, what it is, is they were the victims of a huge tsunami some years ago. Some of you might recall that in the news. And they had all this wastewater that was poured through Port-au-Prince. And so they had groups come and try to clean things up. But it's a lot of contamination they still deal with. So you use bottled water. Never drink the water. You will get very sick. Maybe even die. 
and uh, be careful if you not to get any cuts and things and then get contaminated. And so we had toured around and they were showing us the different ministries that Convoy of Hope was a part of. And uh, right there in Port-au-Prince, we went to a pizza place because everywhere pizza is loved. Amen? <laughs> pizza is like the language of love shared by all. And so here it was, and we're all excited. And we went upstairs and uh, one of the cardinal things is don't get a cut and, and don't get contaminated, especially with the water. And uh, they handed out uh, the different drinks. We were up there, and I ordered the Coke, because I love Coca-Cola. It's God's gift to humanity. And so I ordered one, and stupid me, I grabbed it, thinking it was a twist-off, and I did it, and it's the metal caps, but it takes a bottle opener, and certain up, boom, I ripped my finger. And now I have blood oozing down. I think, okay, I can't wash this out, because, you know, the water is contaminated, and I'm not sure what what the water is. So uh, I, for the rest of the day, I had to bandage this finger, and we're traveling around, we're going to destinations, and I had this big old makeshift, you know, napkin bandage on my hand until I could finally get it sealed up. And I was so concerned about, you know, getting sick, and they would just ingrained in us and make sure that you bring hand sanitizer and stuff because these poor, wonderful people have been dealing with the devastation of this tsunami, and it still hasn't been fully cleaned up yet. And God blessed the trip, and he used the trip. But you know what? I learned something. The Lord protects us, right? You know, you need to be mindful, but we don't have to be fearful ever, right? God blessed that trip, and, and just extraordinary things that the Lord is doing through that wonderful ministry. But you don't have to be fearful to step out of your comfort zone and minister to somebody that maybe you're not used to, maybe you're not comfortable with, maybe you don't have much experience with, I make it a point to meet my neighbors. I met two more yesterday. We've only lived there a month in our little neighborhood, but I walked across the street, and uh, I've seen him out there. He's been working at a shop, and uh, we've kind of been checking out our neighbors. We, we've already met the fellow right next to us and the guy two houses down, and here was the one across the street. So I went ahead and walked over, and uh, he explained that he, his family had just had COVID, so we kind of stood a little bit distance, but boy, what a nice guy. And, uh, and he mentioned that he hadn't met uh, the person that lived there previous to us. And they lived there for two or three years. They hadn't really talked except for the day before he moved out. So I feel pretty good that we've only been there a month and I've already made a connection. And, uh, but, you know, I had to walk across the street. I had to walk up the driveway. I had to introduce myself. You know, sometimes you just want to keep to yourself. But God has called us to reach out, not be afraid, be his hands, be his feet, be his voice. Amen? Boy, I tell you what, uh, I would much rather be a person that God can use. And I don't always get it right. Sometimes we miss opportunities. But when we do get it right and we say yes to Jesus, he will bless you and use you in a wonderful way. Just like he did, Peter. Allow God to reveal his truth. Don't be complacent and don't be content to the level of understanding that you have. Go deeper in the word. We are lifelong disciples of the word, amen? Even Billy Graham, at like 94 years of age, was still learning and growing in Jesus before he died. We are continual disciples of the word. The Holy Spirit will reveal new things to you, just like he did Peter. As far as Peter knew, he was doing everything right. Stay away from these foods, be a good Jewish person, do this, do that, don't go into any, you know, contaminated or any kind of unclean, so to speak, place, and just stay in my lane. 
And God is saying, no, I'm going to reveal something new to you that you don't yet know, but it was true all along. My plan was always to save the Gentiles, and I want you to be one to go and reach them. So allow him to reveal his truth, and allow him to reveal his plan. We have to be sensitive to listen to the Holy Spirit, don't we? We get so caught up and busy with our day-to-day activities, we forget sometimes to listen to what your heart is saying because the Holy Spirit speaks into your heart. doesn't matter how young or old you are, He still wants to use you to do new things, to be His hands and His feet and His voice and allow His Word to motivate you and guide you and allow Him to lead you by His Spirit and be that agent of change. Can we all stand this morning? This communion Sunday today, so I trust that you received your emblem when you came through the door, our COVID-friendly uh, emblem here today. But we're going to be celebrating communion on the first Sunday of the month, and today is that Sunday. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and join us, if you would, Lisa and the team, and just begin to play that song, I Need You. And as they do that, I just want to challenge you this morning Are we going deeper with the Lord? And are we allowing him to reveal his plan, to reveal his truth? Or have we kind of grown stagnant? You know, when you go hiking, you look for a fresh water stream if you want to get a fresh drink. Because if it's a pool of stagnant water where there's no inflow and outflow, it grows stagnant, doesn't it? It's putrid. You don't want to drink that. But if there's a source flowing in, and then you are flowing out, then it's fresh water. You know what? That's the way God wants to be with us. We need to allow him to flow into us by his Holy Spirit, through his word, prayer, praise in the word, and then we need to flow into others with that love as well. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes just as the band begins to play that song. Jesus, we pray right now, Lord, as we prepare our hearts to partake of communion, You came, Jesus, to save us. Lord, you came because you loved us so very much. You would that none would perish, but that all would have everlasting life. That's what your word declares. So, Lord, help us to be those people, God, that allow you to continue to speak, that we wouldn't grow stagnant, that we wouldn't grow complacent, but that you would continue to reveal your truth, reveal your plan, O Lord. Guide and direct us every day and use us in mighty powerful ways, Lord, we pray. Lord, we want to be used of you in new and fresh ways. And if you're here this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, say, Pastor Scott, that's me. I want him to use me in a new and fresh way and reveal his truth in a deeper way. Just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. Slip it up and let's make that declaration to him. Amen. 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 So, Lord, you see our hearts. Jesus, that's our desire. Forgive us, we pray, O God, for those things that are not pleasing to you, the sins of commission, things we've done that we know are wrong, but also forgive us, dear Lord, for the sins of omission, when we know we should be doing things and we choose not to. Cleanse us and make us pure, Jesus. Fill us fresh and new with a fresh power, a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit, O God. Hallelujah. Jesus, give us a fresh new anointing of you by your Spirit, dear Lord. Jesus, use us in fresh new ways as well. Guide and direct us. We thank you now in your name. Amen. I want us to sing a verse of this song, and then we're going to partake of communion. And as we do, let's just make this our prayer. So Lisa, just lead us in this song.
Lord, I come, I confess. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says this, For I receive from the Lord that which I pass also unto you. But the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had broken it and given thanks, he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you partake it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But the scripture also admonishes us, saying that we ought to examine our hearts so that we don't partake in an unworthy manner. So let's just take one final moment, and if there's anything you need to release to the Lord, I encourage you to do that at this time. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we surrender all to you, dear Jesus. Cleanse us by your grace and forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. He took the bread and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Let's partake of the bread this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He took the cup, saying, This cup represents the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the cup. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's just give him praise and thanksgiving for the sacrifice that he gave. Hallelujah. Praise your name. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross and you rose again. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are coming again. And through the sacrifice that you paid, we have salvation, we have redemption. We have new life, and we have eternal life one day with you. Lord Jesus, let us share that good news. So Lord, as we go from this place today, we thank you, Jesus, that you are with us wherever we go. We do need you every day, Jesus, and we thank you that you are with us because we carry you in our hearts by your Holy Spirit living in us. We can talk to you every day, day or night, 24-7, Lord. You are with us, helping us, strengthening us, guiding and directing. Lord, we pray as we go out of this place that we will be thankful for all that you've done and we will be excited for the good things that you're going to do. You have that master plan, that divine destiny, Jesus. So lead us day by day, guide and direct our lives and use us for your honor and glory that we would shine bright for you in this day and age. Bless each and every one, we pray, and we give you all the glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. These altars are open. If you need further prayer, we are available. Otherwise, you are dismissed. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great day in the Lord.